0: St. Luke writes on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. So far, our text. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends in our Lord, what's in a name? A lot. A lot, no matter if you're speaking of first names or surnames, whether we realize it or not, names carry quite a bit of meaning. Consider, for instance, our first names. Among the most popular first names of newborns these, these past months, and over the course of the past year and more, among the most popular first names of newborn boys, Jacob, meaning one who supplants. Recall the Old Testament and how Jacob did supplant his brother Esau. Or for little girls born this last year, the name Emma continues to be a hit. The name Emma, meaning all embracing. The name Daniel, meaning God is my judge, once again makes the top ten list. And so does the name Hannah, which means favor or grace. Our first names, but so too our last names. Those surnames so often said and so often not really appreciated for for the, the meaning that they carry. Did you realize that when surnames began to be employed in the 12th century, they were drawn from about four different primary sources? One's occupation, giving us names like Cook or Baker. One's location, which gives us names like Overhill or Underwood or Littleton. One's patronage, his father's line, gives us names like Erickson and characteristics of a particular person like Short or Longfellow. And so the meanings of our surnames are largely derived from from who we are, what we are, where we are, or whose we are. Of course, over time, those names, they've largely lost their accurate descriptive quality because perhaps you've known Robertson's who haven't been the sons of or even grandsons of anyone named Robert. You may have known Smith's who never once pounded out any sort of metal or stretched any leather. You might have known shoemakers who never, ever had to to craft shoes for a living. Sometimes the meaning attached to our names is is the wish and the hope of our well-meaning parents. Sometimes the description our name bears doesn't seem to resemble us at all or describe us in the least, our names. But as we consider the name that we hear given tonight in our sermon text, know this about it. This name is not incidental. It's not accidental. This name is not a result of a first-century fad or trend. It's, it's not the product of a parent's blind hope for her child's future in this world. Tonight we consider the personal name given to the Lord incarnate. And we're forced to stop and we're forced to take note of it. For it is characteristic and it is descriptive of this manger-born Messiah who bears it. Note first that the name is one of divine directive. You see, the choice of the child's name wasn't left up to Joseph, if you'll recall, the child's earthly surrogate father. No, Joseph is under a a far higher father who himself attends to the important task. God the Father, you'll recall. God the Father names his only begotten son. He might have named him after some patriarch of the Christ's, human Davidic line, which would have been the custom of the day, but he didn't. He named him Jesus, Yeshua. It means Yahweh saves, for Yahweh is salvation. You remember how the Father instructed, God the Father instructed this son's mother and her her betrothed? He said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so with a single name, all erroneous ideas about the Messiah were simply swept away. Ideas that suggest that he'd come to restore political Israel. Ideas suggesting that he'd come to usher in worldly health and wealth and prosperity, whether back then or here today in our time. Ideas that suggest that Jesus is anything less than or other than his name declares him to be. For instance, like he's just a moral man with with many meaningful messages, but no Messiah. Not at all. No, his name is his mission. His name is his mission. Jesus, Paul writes, came into the world to save sinners. It's all there in his name. He came as the solution to our deepest, our most basic and most intimate problem our sin we forget that sometimes don't we we forget that our real problem the problem and the source of all of our problems all of those that we faced in this past year 2008 all of those that we're going to face in the year 2009 and all the years our lord gives us whether they be physical or mental or emotional problems or spiritual the root of all of these is in our condition of sin and as we forget that Key fact, we lose the real meaning of Jesus' name. The name Jesus then becomes to us, quite frankly, then rather ordinary, so that we regard it little more than we regard our own names and the meaning of them. We casually then employ it as that which we might believe to be the, the key to successful prayers. We more casually than that employ it, not only letting it fall into disuse, but worse into misuse, not then spoken in the sweetness of a pious prayer, but in the saltiness of everyday expletive. God forbid that his blessed name become for us a last resort. When all other names have been tried and failed, instead of being for us our first defense against all of those things that promise so much in this world, but that deliver so little to us. How often, think about it, how often have we allowed His name to mean less that, or something other than what God's intended it to mean? How often have we prayed for God to hallow His name and then we, we live in such a way that is unhallowed? Whatever your name be, mine too, whoever we are, as we think on things, we can consider well that we justly have no business with the sacred name of Jesus. We wouldn't were it not for him. But for those very reasons I just mentioned and for the thousands and thousands that I didn't, that babe of Bethlehem was given the very name that he was given, Jesus. Tonight we ask what's in a name God answers. He says in my name is salvation. And our text even shows us how it is that God would accomplish salvation through Mary's son, his son. For has it only been eight days and the Christ has already begun to shed his blood for mankind? Has it only been a week's time and the stillness of that supposed silent night and holy night that we sing about has given way to the the piercing cries of a baby boy at his circumcision? How quickly the Christmas story turns bloody But don't regret it don't regret it for a minute this traumatic event in Jesus early life but rather embrace it for in it the God of Abraham is making good on a promise that he made long ago in this seemingly clinical event the maker of all men is giving making solidarity with all men you see the giver of the law is placing himself under the very law that he gave why it's for you it's for me that's exactly why saint paul said it we heard it on sunday in the epistle reading he said in the fullness of time god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law why born under the law born under the law to redeem those of us who stood condemned under the law he made himself subject to every point in every article in every jot and tittle of his law And that meant, of course, being circumcised. Already, on only the eighth day, Jesus' destiny as Redeemer is revealed in the name that that he's given and in the blood that he's shed. Of himself, he didn't need to be circumcised. He needed no covenantal relationship with God. He needed no forgiveness. He needed no Savior, all of which God's Circumcision, God-appointed circumcision points to. You and I, we need those things. We need a relationship, a saving relationship with God. We need forgiveness. We, we need a Savior. Christ didn't. But because you and I do, we're the ones, we're the ones whose eternal well-being is staked on His fulfillment of the law to the, to the very last point of it. Because we don't carry out the law, we need Him desperately to do it. Luther once said this, beautiful little phrase he had in something called the Heidelberg Theses. He said, the law says do this and it's never done. But the gospel says believe in Christ and his work and it's already done. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it for us and thank him that he did. Because it was for you and it was for me so that our names might be spoken in heaven. So that our names might be written indelibly into the book of life. It was for us, the sinful, that Jesus' name and Jesus' blood was mingled with the names and the blood of the sinful. As most certainly it would be some 33 years later. On a hillside cross, yards away from that temple where we are tonight outside that city wall there by his death Jesus ultimately lived up to his name and what does it cost you nothing it costs you no more to inherit salvation than it cost you to obtain it nothing it cost him everything it cost you nothing it's freely given to you how By a a painful, covenantal rite? Not anymore. Now as the shadows of temple sacrifices gave way to the ultimate fulfillment of the sacrifice of God's Lamb, so also circumcision was displaced by the higher sacrament of baptism. Now it's in baptism, you see. Baptism makes us God's people. Baptism includes us in that people of promise. Baptism unites us to him and all that's his. St. Paul said that too. He said, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. An interesting phrase. Circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the circumcision of Christ. Buried in, with him in baptism. In which you were also raised with him through faith. Friends, as we consider tonight what's in a name... Consider also this, that at the point of baptism, we begin to bear his name. It's when you're first called Christian, Christian, and you bear all the the, the benefits that accompany his name. It's It's much like Dr. John Beans Carroll. Maybe you've heard of him. Dr. John Beans Carroll of Norristown, Pennsylvania, a doctor who never had any sons or daughters of his own, now, after the good doctor died, it was his last will and testament was opened. And to the great surprise of many, it was revealed that Dr. John Beans Carroll had left $100 to every, each and every child that he'd delivered into the world and every child that bore his name. It's quite a gift. $100 to every child he delivered, every child that bore his name. But friends, what is that gift compared to the gift that we own? Because we bear the name of him who has delivered us and who yet delivers us, Christian. The name of Jesus. A light by day for us. A light by night, rather, I should say, in our shade by day. The name of Jesus, what a blessing his name has been for us in the year 2008. this year now passing throughout the year 2008 you've received in this place week after week the grace upon grace that springs forth from him to those who are in his name no doubt in 2008 you've stumbled into regrettable moments moments you hope never to repeat again but you've been forgiven them you've been forgiven them all in his name and now forgetting what lies behind you press on in his name no doubt in 2008 you suffered loss you suffered loss as the change and decay in all around that we say see in one way and to some degree touched your life but there's also no doubt that that you were strengthened and comforted by the grace sufficient promised to all of those who by his grace bear his name you rejoiced in 2008 Because for the sake of Jesus Christ and his name, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit saw it good to increase to you and to multiply to you upon all of the good things he's already given to you. In that same name, the one that's above every other name in his name, we now go confidently forward into the year of our Lord 2009. And confidently we go Because no matter what this new year brings, no matter the things present nor the things to come, and though the days change and the calendar pages turn, Jesus remains the same. Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever in his name. And all that it means remains the same. Perhaps the 17th century Lutheran theologian, Johann Gerhard, put it best when he said this. He said, For me thou art born, for me thou art circumcised, to me also thou art Jesus. How sweet and delightful is the name of Jesus. Be thou my Jesus in the present life, be thou my Jesus in death. Be thou my Jesus in the last judgment. Be thou my Jesus in eternal life. And if my sin, that which I'm born with, that of my youth, that of my whole life, if my sin condemns me, yet thou remainest still my Jesus. How very blessed we are to close this year and to begin anew. To begin a new day and a new year.